the reason why I think a lot of guys aren't afraid in certain situations is because they they think of I guess they don't they don't don't think of the moment. For me, it's just understanding that you don't you don't let the moment overtake you. You don't think about the score as much. You don't think about failure as much. You don't think about those things. You think about the opportunity that lies ahead. Like if you go into the free throw line, you got to make two to win. It's thinking, I'm thinking like, man, I make these two to win. We win this game. It's going to, man, I can imagine how we're going to be celebrating. Like, like you're thinking about that aspect of it, not like, oh my God, if I miss both of these, we lose. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Red, and welcome to the Betting on Yourself podcast, where I interview successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and other top performers who rose to the top, took success into their own hands, and bet on themselves. Today, I'm talking with my longtime friend, little brother, Mike Conley. He's an NBA basketball player, a faithful husband, a philanthropist, and an all-around incredible man who I respect and admire. Whenever we spend time together, I'm amazed by his humility and perspective. So I'm excited to get to share this conversation with you today. Here's my conversation with Mike. Thank you for, for joining the podcast, my man. Yeah, man. Appreciate you having me. I'm excited. Yes. Yes. So we're going to basically put our golf conversations on the golf course basically into this podcast. And um, for those who are listening, um, Mike is uh, like my little brother. Been knowing him since he was 18, going into Ohio State. And he's truly one of the most humble people I know in life. And um, being able to see his journey over the last 15 years, him grow as a person, as a man, now as a husband, as a father. And uh, his resume speaks for itself um, with being the, the fourth pick in the 2007 NBA draft, which shocked all of us at that time. Um, and, you know, but you had to make that move. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. He is also the franchise leader in multiple categories for the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, had has had an incredible career there. And now he's with the Utah Jazz. And He's, his list goes on and on uh, of what he's been able to accomplish. But um, with all of that, Mike, I, I, I want to start with uh, the theme of the show, which is betting on yourself. What has betting on yourself been like for you? You know, really, I think uh, for me, it's just been kind of always believing and having faith in, in, in what I'm set out to do, or that's in basketball or off the court or in the communities, whatever it may be, is uh, truly believing beyond a, you know a single ounce of doubt that that you can accomplish it and get it done. And uh, you know, regardless of what others may say or, or or think or tell you you can't do or tell you it's going to be too hard or too difficult, it's, it seems like that that kind of thing has pushed me to strive to be you know the best I can be at whatever I decide to to put my mind to and. Um, so I've never been afraid to, to go, you know, throw all the chips in and, and, uh, and, and go all after it. I know there's been many examples or times where you've had to bet on yourself, but was there a one pivotal time when you had to bet on yourself that stands out above all of them? Is it whether it be going to Ohio State or whether it be leaving school early? Oh, man. I mean, there's a few. I think, honestly, um, I, I had to say split between going, you know, committing to Ohio State at the time in which, you know, you had schools like North Carolina or like Duke or, you know, the schools that are perennially, you know, going 
to the Final Fours and all that. And Ohio State hadn't been in the Final Four since I think you guys were were there in '99, and so it was like a, a leap of faith in that sense. Like, you know, are we gonna truly go to a school uh, and and try to you know they had already started to turn you know turn the, the program over and start to you know see some improvement. Do we want to be a part of that or do we want to be a part of something that's tr- that's been established for a long long period of time? And just taking that leap of faith, knowing that we can get it done, that we can change, you know, the way Ohio State basketball can go for 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 the future and for why we're there. So, and also, I think just making the decision to go to the draft uh, was probably one of the toughest ones because there was a part of me that still wanted to be in college, a big part of me that wanted to be in college. Um, I didn't want to let my teammates down; they were they were already there. Didn't want to let coach down. Didn't want to you know, leave the great university and the people and the fans to embark on a journey that, you know, I had no idea what it was going to, it was going to entail, but it was a dream of mine. And so I truly had to take that leap and, uh, and try to get it done. You are, um, a winner and I want to take you back a little bit to even your childhood. Did seeing your dad win a gold medal or with a gold medal set a standard of success as a mindset for you? You know, I think unconsciously it was. I don't, I don't think, you know, I didn't necessarily have a, a a bulletin board in my room or anything that said I needed to be uh, close to what my dad was or anything like that. I think it just was, you know, life how I grew up was seeing him be successful and what, what that took. So it was just, you know, it, it was nothing for me to go out and, and shoot a thousand shots or run sprints or go to the track with them and do stuff because that's what he did. And like it was normal to me like that's just what my dad does so um, I didn't know any better and I think that kind of helped groom me for when I got older and you know you realize that it's it's uh it's hard to maintain that kind of mindset and 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 to be goal oriented like that and to try to to achieve success success so uh I was lucky in the sense that I had somebody to to watch every day and not realizing that you know it was I was kind of imprinting um and understanding everything he was doing yeah, for those who don't know, Mike Mike's dad it was a Olympic gold medal winner, and I watched him in the '92 Olympics, and I was 13 or 12 at the time watching your dad, and it was an incredible time. And for those who don't know, his mother is a gold medalist of mothers, because I'm sure she had to hold it down uh, for you and your, your your brothers and sisters while your dad was doing his job. Yeah, man, that is something that's super overlooked, man. Our, our my mom, I know a lot of athletes feel this way too, but the mothers, man, they, they mean the world to us. They, they do a lot that nobody sees. I mean, they she basically was the one raising us because my dad was gone traveling with his track and Olympics and things like that. She, she was the one, you know, around all, you know, all four of us, really all my siblings, you know, 24 seven and never complained, uh, gave us everything we could ever want and need, uh, and and has always been there for us, and she's our you know our number one supporter. So just having that strong backbone and having such a strong woman to also look up to is, is true. I'm truly thankful for because I know that that's something that a lot of people don't get, and uh, and and she's very special uh, to me and my my brothers and sister, um, and uh, we love her very much. Wow. Yeah, my, I can relate to that. My mom was my hero as well, man, uh, along with my father. So we got that in common. Let me ask you a question. Was it hard having a dad who was a successful athlete? You know, I, I think they had it had its challenges, but they weren't like 
you know, they weren't too overbearing. You know, I didn't feel too much pressure knowing that my dad won a gold medal that I needed to necessarily follow in his footsteps or be successful in that manner because I didn't, I was lucky enough. I didn't, I didn't run track like that. You know, I ran it for uh, my freshman year in high school and, and some in eighth grade maybe, but um, I never really, you know, clung to it as much as he did. And basketball was my thing. So I was completely separate and uh, never really had to take any pressure uh, because, you know, basketball was a new avenue for me. And uh, that, that allowed me to, to be myself and, um, and play with, you know, and just have fun, not have any stress. Out of all the sports that you played growing up, because me and you've talked over the years, you weren't just a basketball player, but you ran track. I think you played baseball. What made you bet on basketball as that one sport? Well, you know, I think it, at the end of the day, like I honestly, when I was younger, when I played all those sports, soccer, baseball, football, like I was, I was pretty decent in all of them. And I could, you know, I was athletic. I can do everything and good coordination and um, loved them all. Big fans of all the sports, but basketball just was the one sport that, you know, I knew when I went to bed at night, that's the, it was the last thing I was thinking about, you know, and I woke up, it was the first thing. So it, it, you know, just having that kind of, that kind of mindset just knew that, Hey, basketball is the one I can't live without, I think. So I'm going to have to start focusing uh, my attention on this sport and try to make the best of it from that, from that standpoint. But I mean, just really uh, the, the teammates I've had and the, and the players and the people that, you know, the relationships you make uh, through sport and uh, especially basketball for me were, were uh, a contributing factor too, because all my best friends were a part of it. Greg Oden and, you know, Daquan Cook, all these guys I grew up playing with, um, you know, those are some of the most more special times in my in my entire life. So I think that basketball was the easy pick for me. And we've been blessed to to watch you over the years, man. Um, I know personally watching you grow as a player has been incredible. And I, I'm going to pivot real quick to this winning mentality that you have that I felt the wrath of. Um, me and Mike play golf in the summertime a lot. And like I said before, he's a winner. And he's the type of guy that you cannot say can't to. So um, I felt the wrath of this winning mentality. But tell me, how does one develop a winning mentality? Man, um, you know, really, I, I think it stems from uh, the feelings you get from from losing, honestly. Like, you know, you've probably heard people say a lot, like, you know, people – it's, it's almost less about the feeling of winning. It's like what it feels like to, to lose. It's complete agony. You know, like you can, can't go to sleep. Like you can't like, it's still like that today. Like in anything I do, like I want to win. And if I lose, I'm like thinking about it until the next opportunity I get to play. Like if I lose you in golf, I'm going to be thinking about that for, for another week until I get a chance to play again or another month, whenever it is. I'm just like, man, I just, uh, you know. So like I think it, it develops from, you know, when you, when you've lost enough, you know, and you're like, man, I don't want to feel that. Like you, you you're kind of paranoid of that you, you'll do anything to win. And, um, and, and the joy of winning is, is beautiful. So just trying to use that, uh, as my motivation. Yeah. Mike is an outstanding golfer. I won't disclose the overall record that we have between each other. It's not important, but, 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think a, a pivotal moment in our, our golfing time together was in the Bahamas a couple of years ago. And uh, I was playing like I normally play. I was playing well, but this guy just played at another level that day. I think you shot a 74. 
Yeah. And I shot a 77. And uh, the tide had turned at that point. And um, he's he's hawking me down. But he, you are relentless, man. And you are one of the fierce competitors in the NBA uh, by far. So with that being said, how do you bounce back from a loss? Because there's a lot of people listening to this. And I think it's translatable to entrepreneurs. Um, but it'd be interesting to hear how do you bounce back from losses? Yeah, honestly, man. You know, like in anything, like I said, I, I take losses hard. I take them like, you know, like that's the only thing that matters at the time. But as I grew, I think I learned that, you know, each loss is an opportunity for me to learn and to get better and to then improve on the next chance I get. So when we lose, we might lose one or two in a row or three in a row. And each one, I'm as soon as the game's over with, I'm going to watch film on what I did wrong or what my team needs to improve or what, what worked and, you know, how many times we did not, you know, do what worked long enough, you know, just like things that will help me in the long run. And, and, and it might not even be the next, it might not even be the next day that I, that I get it right. But I know that I'm at least putting in the time to better myself and adjust to the next opportunity I do get. So, you know, obviously like I said, I take, I've been one to take stuff, when I lose and, and take it, you know, super hard and just, you know, really think about it a lot. But like I said, as I've learned that the more I can kind of channel that and funnel it into a productive way, which is for me, uh, watching film and just going right back over it instead of thinking about it, just, just reviewing it and, uh, going over it and making me, you know, feel like I at least know what, or have a grasp of what I can do to, to make it better. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something that, and I'm, it's not just because you're my little bro, but, it's a fact. You're one of the best point guards in the NBA in the world. Man, appreciate and it. You you, uh, you have played at an all star level for many many years. And how much has preparation been a part of your success and achievements? Uh, I know for many years preparation has been attached to your reputation, uh, and I've seen it over and over again. How much has that played a part in your growth and development and success? Well, I, I think uh, preparation has been the if not one of the biggest keys in my individual success is just because, you know, being in the league at six foot, you know, one or whatever, 180 pounds, uh, there's a lot of guys that are six foot one and 180, you know, that are playing basketball and to, to stand out or to be better, you have to find ways to get a competitive edge or to improve yourself. And for me, it's a big part of that is, is preparation, like literally watching, hours and hours of film of myself or of other players that I want to mimic my game after or take moves from or breaking down film with mentors or coaches or anybody that is willing to help. I mean, like that kind of stuff allows me to come into the situation trying to know my opponent better than they know me, you know, in a sense. And, and I even had some great examples like playing against guys like Chris Paul and Tony Parker, these guys for so many years. And and being in games where they, you know, I'll call a play out and instead of Chris Paul just defending it, he'll turn to his team and he'll tell the team exactly what we're about to run. Not just the play, but just how it's going down. Like who's getting the ball, deny this pass, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when you see that, you're like, okay, like that, I get it. I, I get why they are who they are. This is this is how you prepare. You have to know everything. And uh and that's the best way to success for me is just, you know, if I feel like I'm in a good place, prepared to go into battle, and I feel like I, I can win everything. 
Yeah, you're constantly preparing that golf swing too. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I wish I could play as much as uh, as much as you might think I'm playing or, or practicing. I don't get it. Like you remember, you remember the stages. Now I'm in that stage that you were in about seven years ago when you were like, "Oh, I got kids." They just like, you know, they're two, they're one, they're three. I don't got no time. I'm there, so you know what you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do, I do. And the kids, as they get older, will become more active, and which means less time on the golf course. <laughs> which means that you are a great father and you have your priorities straight. So. um, so I, I get it, bro. I get it. And it's been interesting because I've been able to walk with you through your journey in the NBA. And even as a man, one thing I do know about you is that you're very regimented. And I just yeah. want to hear, and I'm sure the listeners want to hear, you know, about your routine from a day-to-day standpoint. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a little bit uh, OCD with my, with, you know, what I do and even like what I eat. Like I eat the same stuff all the time. Game days, I eat the same thing, you know, rituals, whatever, superstition. But like on a on a daily basis, like for right now, like I literally got done working out probably like three minutes before we we hopped on uh, on this podcast because uh, I go you know every day is probably from nine thirty ten to about one one thirty where I'm doing you know body work stretching uh, some form of a weight session some form of conditioning session and then I go play uh, do my basketball workout on the court. Uh, which they all vary each day, but you know I gotta consistently kind of be in that mode. Um, otherwise, I don't feel like I like I can go forward with the day almost. Like I gotta be done when I'm done at one thirty or whatever. I feel good that like okay, I I got what I needed to get in today. I can I can then go golf with you, or I can then go yeah. do something because I feel like I've I've done my work for the for the day, and then I still have the opportunity to go back in the afternoon or night because I've gotten it done earlier in the day. So. Um, yeah, so it's just, you know, trying to stick to, uh, a, a strong regimen. And then like lately I've been trying to eat better. So I became like uh, a pescatarian and so I've been eating nothing but fish and, uh, no red meat and stuff like trying just, like I said, you, as a competitor, you try anything to, to get a competitive advantage if it helps. So, you know, I'm trying that. And, uh, so that's a, a big lifestyle change for me. Yeah, he's extremely fit, everyone. He is uh he's a machine. And you know, it's 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 been great to watch your work ethic. Your work ethic now has become legendary. And I wanna ask you, part of the routine, do you ever meditate at all? You know, over the last four years or so, um, meditation has become more and more implemented in, in what I do. And I was kind of introduced to it. One of my coaches, I think it was Fit, Coach Fit Dave Fisdale really was big on it, and so we would do breathing before every practice and certain kind of um, sessions where it was just music playing in the background, and we would think about different things regarding our body or ailments that we might have to try to you know push out information and all kinds of things like that, and um, really felt like felt the best I had felt. So since then, like it's been part of what I do. Like when I get up in the morning, I literally like I'll sit there for. 15 minutes if i get 15 minutes you know without a kid running in the house running in the room or something like and just sit there and and be in the bed and sit up and and breathe or you know just like close your eyes and 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 think about the day and uh and and that is very important and 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 think people overlook it a little bit uh in that aspect as a veteran now mike how have you been able to navigate the ability to balance family career dynamics 
you know, I think it's it's been it's I think it's ultimately it's 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 a challenge because you want to be great at both. You want to be the all all star dad. You want to be an all star basketball player, all star businessman, whatever you want to be. Um, but uh, for me, it's it's you know, one you gotta I think it, it your wife and the people that are around you are are instrumental in helping you get through that. I mean, they, my wife's been great helping me balance it out. Like if there's nights that she knows I got a game the next night, like she'll be, you know, staying with the kids or like, you know, let me sleep in another room or whatever it may be to try to help me get as much rest as possible. And, and so it makes it easy for me to be, re, you know, revitalized, have energy for being around the kids and, and having family time when I do get that opportunity. But, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely, uh, it, it's, it has its challenges, but I think with that, with that balance, like you said, you, like I said, you got to have help and, and, and I have good people around me that, that do that. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Uh, you mentioned all-star a number of times about being all-star father, all-star player. How much or how does not making the all-star team drive you to this day? I, I've been around you. I, I know how much that has hurt in the past. Does that still drive you to this day? Oh, for sure. Like we've talked before, it, it, it's hurt so bad some years. And, you know, you, you literally sit there and you know you deserve it and you know that I think what made it worse some years you look at other people who get opportunities to make it and then you're like, man, but I did better this year. I did better that year. And, and so-and-so made it over me. And it's just like, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but you know, that's when that doubt starts to creep in. But then at the same time, like, it's like, man, I want to each year it starts over. Like, it's like, you know what? I'm going to be like the, since I didn't make it the first 12 years, I'm going to be like the oldest first time all-star. That's when I want to be then. Shoot, I'm going to be 32 when I make it. I'm going to be 33 when I make it. Shoot, I'm th- like, this is like my new goal. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, it's never going to go away from me. And I think until the day I retire, because it's something that's just, you know, kind of ate at me since I've kind of played at that level and been, a, been able to be in bunks the conversation. You've been able to um, thrive in the face of adversity. I, I remember... Um, even I think your rookie year or second year in the NBA, the Grizzlies were almost about to give up on you. And you know the story. They were looking to trade you. And the Milwaukee Bucks, the team I was playing for, was looking to trade for you. And I was in the office with our GM at the time. And they asked me, said, we're looking to make a trade for Mike Conley. What do you think? And I said, absolutely. Because I knew how talented you were. And obviously, you're a Buckeye. So, um, but I knew the talent was there. And then you go from that potential of being traded to being the franchise leader in a lot of categories. And then you go from there to being the highest paid player in the history of the NBA at one point. Talk about that journey, man. Oh man, it was, um, it was definitely, uh, it was, it's a tough one and challenging one just in, in the sense like, you know, I, I would have loved to play on the same team with you, Mike, Mike, uh, but early in your career, like you don't want to get traded after your first year. You know what I mean? Like you're like, that's kind of like in your mind, like, oh man, I don't, that, that means that, you know, they didn't like that. I didn't do something right. You know what I'm saying? Like they gave up and, but then on the flip side, another team really wants you, which means you, you know, you get an opportunity, but like, it was like, I wanted, I wanted to set a different precedent and, and, and example uh, to those watching me play. And I just didn't do that my first year. So I felt that there was a lot of room for me to grow a lot of room, room for opportunity. And thankfully, you know, I just kept my mind right during that time, you know, being 18, 19 years old, it, it's you know you got a lot of emotions going on a lot of things going on and life is changing so fast that uh, you can get you can you know those kind of situations can either make or break your your career and uh, for me I just just stayed kind of 
locked into this tunnel and uh, in this black hole and just stayed in it for a few years uh, until I, you know, emerged out as, you know, a guy they could shoot, a guy they can pass, a guy they can make all the, you know, all the right decisions they can't, de- they can't defend. Like I basically went at every single deficiency that I had and, uh, and try to remold it and, uh, and turn myself into a better player that way. And, and, and it worked and, uh, allowed me to establish myself, uh, in the league and, and with amongst my teammates and amongst organization down in Memphis. Yeah, I think the grind house, right, was the theme of y'all's team after a while. Grit and grind. And I think more than anything, you guys lived that, right? And you experienced that more so than just a slogan. And I think you were the catalyst um, on that team, obviously being the point guard and the leader. Uh, you guys had great success. You got very, very close to the finals. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that experience, man. Yeah, man, it's uh... – it was some of the better times of my life, you know, being amongst uh, those guys, you know, had so many great teammates uh, during that, those runs. And people were obviously a member of you know, the core four group of guys and Tony Allen, Zebo and Mark, myself, you know, Rudy Gay. But we had a lot of great guys, OJ Mayo, Daryl Arthur and, you know, Gravis Vasquez, Baino Udra. I mean, just a bunch of guys down the list that, I mean, Mike Miller, um, all these guys we'll be lifelong friends from now on just because of those experiences. But what made us different and unique, like you said, it was the grindhouse mentality, a great grind, a blue collar kind of approach to the game that, that resonated with uh, the city of Memphis. And I think it resonated with a lot of, uh, a lot of the fans across America, because that's a lot of the workplace, you know, just guys going out there and, and doing it the hard way. You know, when people tell you, you can't do it or, you know, it's going to be too hard. You can't beat the Spurs. You're eight seed. They're a one seed, you know, and we go out there and do it anyway. You know what I mean? Like that's, that was inspiring uh, for a lot of people. And it was inspiring for us Shoot to watch, you know, our guys perform and, you know, against all odds and, and just be tougher than teams and mentally take people out of games. Like it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was fun to be a part of. Yeah, you all weren't afraid of anything, and you you weren't afraid of anything and, and are not afraid of anything. What was your mindset, or what is your mindset in not shrinking back in all those moments? The reason why I think a lot of guys aren't afraid in certain situations is because they, they think of, I guess they don't, they, don't, they don't think of the moment. For me, it's just understanding that you don't, you don't let the moment overtake you. You don't think about the score as much. You don't think about failure as much you don't think about those things you think about the opportunity that lies ahead like if you go into the free throw line you got to make two to win it's thinking i'm thinking like man i make these two to win we win this game it's gonna man i can imagine how we gonna be celebrating like like you're thinking about that aspect of it not like oh my god if i miss both of these we lose like that is the difference between somebody going up there confidently and making them and somebody going up there and, and being shaky so I think for a lot of us in those situations, it's our mindset of of making that shot and visualizing that shot or that play, or you know, just being able to to rise above a moment and uh, and not let it uh, kind of engulf you. Yeah, you're one of the toughest players in the NBA by far, and I I even remember when you had your face broken and you came back to play and, and performed at a high level. I think it was in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh that was a i look back on it i don't know if i was making the right decision you know coming back playing <laughs> playing with it but uh 
it at the time it felt right and uh i think i earned a lot of respect from my team and and those around me for competing through that and uh you know knowing the gravity of the games that we're going to play so it was it wasn't easy it was the toughest like week and a half of my life as far as a basketball player trying to play through that but it was uh it was worth it who was your toughest rival and who was your toughest individually and who was your toughest team that you had to play against um i'll still say to my to this day my my toughest rival would probably be chris paul and uh you know he he's a guy that you know, I looked up to a lot uh, when I was in college, watching him play uh, as a youngster in the league. And when I got to play against him, you see similarities in your game and uh, you get to know him and you see similarities in your personality and things like that. So it was like, all right, this is the guy I'm chasing. And I'll <laughs> probably be continually chasing my whole career to, to try to, you know, beat him or, you know, so it, it became trying to win, just beat him one time, like win a game, regular season game, you know, and then we, got over that hump and then it's like all right now it's trying to beat him in the playoffs you know and we lose one round uh one season then we win the next season and i'm like finally i got over i beat chris paul you know it's like it's just trying to get over that that hump of because he's like my barometer of like what a point guard should be like he he's been that for years and um if you can and he's a guy that you know truly uses his mind and uh and dictates a lot and controls a lot of the game and it was very, very smart, uh, high basketball IQ. So uh, playing against him was like a chess match every time. And so to, to, to win a playoff series against him was like, man, finally I got over. I, got, I did it. I did that. Like that was a, a milestone. So it was um, he's been one of those guys. I know you've been watching the Last Dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the 97, 98 Bulls. You are actually on the Jordan brand. And so watching the documentary and being on the brand, how has that made you feel? You know, honestly, uh, I, I'm just very proud to be a part of the, the family. Uh, you know, not a lot of people get that opportunity, but I think we're all reminded through these documentary uh, series just how special Michael Jordan was and the Bulls were at that time. And we're learning a lot about about him as a as a player and a person that we, you know, a lot of guys might not have known. Every time I watch it, I just think back to the memories I felt when I was watching it live or as a kid or how it inspired me to, 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 to be, you know, a basketball player and hopefully make it to the NBA and to be a part of uh, the Jordan brand. And, and ultimately after all these years and, you know, for a guy I look up to and idolize, it, it's, uh, it's truly special. I know you look up to Michael, but name some of the other mentors that are in your life today. Well, I'm speaking to one right now in Michael Red, which is uh, easy enough, man. Great, great dude and uh, has always been there for me. You know that. So appreciate you, man. You know, especially early on, you know, you took me under your wing and uh, really helped me out and kind of helped groom me. And now I'm kind of living the life that you're that, that you're living at this age. Like it's like we're just slowly I'm slowly following in in uh, your timeline. So, uh, it, you know, I, I've looked up to you a lot. So in, in that aspect, uh, you know, other than that. I would probably say uh, Damon Stoudemire was huge for me. Spent a lot of time with him, you know, my first three or four years in the league. Uh, him being a smaller guard and a lefty, and uh, he had such a tough-minded mindset. You know, what I mean, like he's a tough dude, and 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 really kind of you know tried to get that out of me and uh, and helped me a lot with that. Um, I've had I've had multiple guys. Nick Van Exel is another one that I spent a lot of time with over the years. 
Uh, Lionel Hollins was huge. He, you know, obviously believed in me in a time when not a lot of not a lot of people did, and uh, and gave me an opportunity to be who I am. So, I mean, thank him a lot. I mean, he's been, and it was beyond basketball with him more than anything. It was off the court, like how to be a family man, how to be, you know, how to raise your how to raise your kids, how to you know manage your time, and and what's most important in life. And remember that. You know, basketball is just a you know microcosm of life, and uh, there's so much more to, to to be given to the world. Along this journey, man, do you have any regrets at all? Man, I have zero regrets. I have zero regrets. I think it's. I think when I look back, or I, sh- I should say, when I look at myself now, and and I look at my family, and I look at things, I I, I don't want to change anything because you know it would then change what I feel now. You know. It would then change who I'm around and people I know and, you know, my kids, who knows? Like, I mean, all decisions I've made over my lifetime have been for a reason. And uh, and I truly believe that. And and I've, it kind of all led me to where I'm at right now. And I'm in a great place, um, you know, mentally and physically. And, and, uh, and like I said, I wouldn't change a thing. Among all the achievements that you've been able to achieve, how does it feel to be the horse goat, brother? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. It's just like you know. I, I guess I got kind of got into that thing kind of late, like last minute, and I was like, <laughs> "Hey, I'll join it." And uh, and I knew I, I, I really like, I, like I feel like I'm like this is golf. Like I know I'm gonna win. That's how I come in thinking like, I'm gonna win, no matter pro, you know, no matter no matter what. And lo and behold, I end up winning it, and uh, I get crowned the horse champion. And hopefully, uh, if there's another one, I get to you know uh, defend myself, defend my crown, and um, go forward with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was it was fun to watch, and I think you had a competitive advantage compared to. <laughs> Listen, when they asked me to do it, that wasn't part of the criteria. They asked me if I had a, a, a rim and a ball and an iPad. I said, I have all three. Let's do it. That beautiful gym. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable, man. Um, how much How much do you think about life after basketball? Or are you still so much all in, right? And I understand that. But do you ever think about life after basketball and some of the things you want to do beyond the game? Yeah, I honestly do. I, I'm starting to think about it even more so as I've gotten older and, you know, you understand that, hey, this is, you know, everybody's career comes to an end at some point, even though I might not believe mine is anytime soon, but it's, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm on the back nine, I should say. So I know that uh, it will happen. And, and so you know, there's been, you know, a lot of opportunities through, actually, actually the NBA PA has been really good uh, sending opportunities my way, things I've inquired about, whether that's different programs regarding uh, internships with tech companies or Facebook or, you know, just conferences that you can be a part of regarding certain business ventures you want to be a part of. Or, you know, for me, you know, I'm not looking past like the, the media portion of it, like doing some broadcasting or something like that. Like there's always that kind of in the back of my mind that has options that uh, I could potentially be a part of once, uh, once I'm done playing. So it's definitely, you know, on the, on my mind, I'm not saying it's on the forefront of my mind, but it's definitely <laughs> a big part of it. Yeah. You got to win a championship this year. So yeah. <laughs> if, if we have a season. Um, oh man. 
How's that been for you, man? Like kind of in between, you know, playing and not playing in this pandemic, um, how are you taking it and how is the league taking it? Well, you know, I think ultimately, I think we're, we're all, you know, we're all missing the game, but we understand the gravity of what's going on. And what's most important is the health of, of everybody, health of uh, our communities, uh, the health of the world, shoot. And, and we understand that and uh and no game is bigger than that and and uh, if we do come back it'll be at the right time when things make sense and uh and it's able to happen but uh you know obviously number one thing for all of us is safety you know keeping everybody safe uh keeping our family safe and um and, and doing whatever we can to to help usher in that uh, and hopefully completely uh flatten the curve and, and make some change here so that everybody can get back to doing what they love to do and getting back to jobs and 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 you know hopefully employment will rise like there's so many more issues that are going on so for us like we have a luxury in a sense and uh and we and we know that and uh we're just trying to use our platforms to to help other, other people in this time uh, while we can and hopefully we get back to playing when whenever that's whenever the time is right i miss watching the game I miss watching you guys play, and uh, I probably speak for a lot of the fans and listeners out there. As long as I've known you, man, you've been incredibly generous and philanthropic over the years, man. How important is it for you to give back um, after you've gained so much in your life? Well, um, I think it's, you know, one of the more important things you can do is is to service others. You know, I think it ultimately, as I've grown, it's become more evident that, like, you know, this whole thing that I've been doing isn't about, it's, it's never been about me. You know, it's never been about a selfish aspect of it. It's about who you help, who you can, you know, whose lives you can change with what you've been able to, to, to build. And, uh, and so therefore I just go out and try to affect, you know, any community or organization in a positive manner to try to usher in growth and, you know, just try to, empower as many people as possible to, to have opportunities that otherwise they might not have ever had and uh and and hopefully achieve the dreams that they want to achieve and then you know like they always say you try to pay it forward hoping that the, the the lessons that somebody learns from you just like the lessons i've learned from others they get passed on and 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 keep getting passed on and, ch- and help uh you know usher in change that's incredible man as we close out man um I was thinking, what would you tell your 16-year-old self now that you've experienced life the way you've experienced it? What would you go back and tell your 16-year-old self? Oh, man. If I could tell my 16-year-old self something, I think I would say truly just uh, enjoy the moments, uh, like really enjoy the moments that you're a part of, I think, because they happen so fast that when you're younger, you think that you're going to get that moment again. You think that you're going to get that feeling again. And you realize as you look back on it, like, man, like I was only in a national championship once. I only get that one time. Like that whole month was crazy. Like that was a, a super crazy time of my life. And, but how often did I sit back and really like let that settle in? You know, a lot of me was still working for the next thing. Like, oh, I got to be in the weight room or I got to get to class or I got to go to you know get ready for the pre pre-draft workouts like you're just so preoccupied with so much and your minds are your mind's gone everywhere that you don't think about 
you don't sit, have time to sit and think and just be thankful for what's going on around you or be thankful for those people around you. So I think at 16, I didn't think like that. I was just oblivious and ignorant and living life and thinking that, you know, I would never get hurt, never die, anything bad happen, you know? So like, you just kind of got to look back on it and say that you're mortal and, but, you know, to really just let, uh, let everything sink in. Yeah. I'd be remiss to ask this question about the Kobe situation. I I know that affected you in in a powerful way and obviously affected me. How sobering was that moment, man, of his passing? Man, uh, that was probably the toughest moment, I think, for all of us, uh, whether you knew him or not, or whether you played against him or not, whether you're a fan of him or not. Like, it was truly just tragic on all, all on, at the end of the spectrum. And it was so stunning and shocking. I think that, you know, a lot of us are still to this day just don't truly know or how that like how how could that happen and just like not to him or his family or the people that were involved as well like it's just like a tragic shock uh to the system and um you just never expected something like that when you heard the news um but with you know after all that you think about all the moments that he gave all of us all the memories he gave us uh the lessons he's taught us all um you know, he's the guy that embodied, you know, the competitive nature and uh, the toughness that he played with, the injuries he played through. I mean, just iconic moments that that he portrayed, which was just him being himself. And, uh, and he, you know, being able to have played against him like yourself and uh, having spoken with him and, you know, shoot, he gave me his shoes the last time he was in Memphis, you know, for the last game. And wow. like that kind of stuff is like, you'll never forget and uh it's just super you know super sad and you just feel bad for all the families involved and uh, you know just hope that somehow that you know everybody can can mend and and, and be able to to be strong through it everyone in nba respects you and respects your game respects you as a man you've been named nba sportsmanship award winner three times how important is that to you you know, it's uh, it's pretty important now. Uh, the first the first time I got it, I didn't really know much about it. Like I was just, <laughs> I was just excited, like oh, I get an award. Like, I like awards. But then as I, you know, like I said, as I got older and matured a little bit and realized, like you know, truly that's you you're, you've earned the respect of a, a lot of players and coaches around the league and managements. And I mean, that's the award that you get for that. I mean, even uh, last year, I think I think it was last year, I, I got the sportsmanship and the the teammate of the year award and like those like nobody's ever done that before and i didn't know that like that's the first time somebody's gotten both of those and like that's that's pretty historic for me and like i'm like man i didn't know that like that's that's cool like i i'm very proud of that um and i think it just speaks to you know my family my mom and dad how they raised me and uh, my brothers and my sister and you know the people that have been around me my whole life they kind of have groomed me into this person and hopefully that you know I continue to to do the same for my kids and, and get these, you know, they'll be making these same awards when they get older. Yeah. Well, I'll end with this. Again, above all the accomplishments that you've made, I think you're the most fashionable guy in the NBA. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I'm biased, but yeah, <laughs> you, got, you got the swag and drip, man. Uh, 
that is in pretty pretty incredible man you know i appreciate it you know obviously uh we've had I, i've had help i don't know about you i've had a little help with my uh <laughs> with my drip as they say nowadays um uh, with from 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 our guy brandon brandon williams but uh um, shout out brandon yes sir shout out brandon uh but you know, I, you know, now I think about it, I got a box the other day and I got a bunch of shoes in them from Brandon and there's a size in there that does not fit my foot. I believe they're yours. I think he <laughs> accidentally sent them to me. It, it, I forget what size, but it was not an 11. I can tell you that it was at least three, four sizes bigger. So I'm pretty sure it belongs to you and I have to give that to you the next time I see you. But it's uh, fashion has become a big part of the game, big part of lifestyles nowadays and it's just a fun part uh, of, of life to, to just go out there and express yourself the way you want to express it and, and let, the, let the world view you for you, you know? Well, you do it well, my friend. You do it well. You're about to be a, a father all over again. How's Mary doing? Oh, man. Yeah, she's doing great, man. She's uh, she's a trooper. She's, uh, like I said, she's six months pregnant and has two little boys running around and still try- she still tries to be, you know, the same mom she was when she wasn't bearing another child so she's doing great the baby's doing great it's kicking and moving all over the place which worries me because the last time i i felt that it was our oldest son who's just wild and crazy so uh <laughs> we might be getting another another uh wild one so hopefully everything works out and uh and continues to go smoothly well brother it's been an absolute honor uh, for you to be on the show with me, man. Um, nothing but love for you, man. I'm proud of you. And you continue to be an example of what it is to bet on yourself every single day, bro. So thank you for being a part. And strokes. <laughs> when we, when we play. Listen, strokes. Listen, 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 listen. No, first off, I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's great what you're doing. Um, Hopefully, uh, I'll be back, uh, you know, real soon. But Anytime. on the golf on the golf course, now nah, we, you know, you know what it is. I'll see you out there. <laughs> uh, I, okay, all right, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Thanks for being on, bro. All right, brother, you got it. Appreciate you, man. That was my conversation with Mike Conley Jr., point guard of the Utah Jazz. He's kind and humble, but at the same time, fiercely competitive, which is rare to find these days. There's a lot we can all learn from his life and work ethic. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. To read the show's notes, learn more about my work, or connect with me, visit michaelred.com. New episodes release every week on Monday, so make sure to subscribe if you want to stay up to date. Until next time, I'm Michael Red, and remember, you are the secret to your success. 